0: it's time to transform your life through knowledge creativity and mastery delivered on the focus seven daily podcast with business expert and marketing guru lisa frederickson you will hear interviews with some of the most thought-provoking mentors and professionals on a variety of topics and now your host and favorite learnaholic lisa frederickson good morning listeners welcome to today's adventure i'm lisa Fredrickson, your host and incurable learnaholic in this episode we'll be discussing suicide understanding the ultimate act of isolation with an extra special guest that i've been privileged to know before i was even married with over 30 years of experience in behavioral health training and counseling, he headed up the suicide department at the Veterans Affairs Hospital for nearly a decade. During that time, he educated caregivers and veterans on the serious topic of suicide in community settings around the United States. So with that ado, I'd like to welcome my husband, friend and counselor extraordinaire, C. Paul Fredrickson, life coach, MSW and licensed clinical social worker. Hi, honey.
1: Hi, it's nice to be here.
0: So before we get into the questions I have for you today, and by the way, he has to answer all my questions, otherwise he sleeps on the couch. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Can you tell the audience why suicide or why you think that suicide is the ultimate act of isolation? Because a lot of us usually think that's an act of selfishness.
1: Yeah, a lot of people do think that it's selfish, and certainly there can be elements of self pity, and misery and depression and suicide, just like so many other things. And so one of the first thing that, that comes to our mind is that it's a selfish act. But what we don't understand is that people who are dealing with suicide, are thinking about what they mean to the world and what the world means to them. They're thinking about how they matter, how they're making a difference or not making a difference. And so Suicide is mostly about the person and about what they think that they're contributing to the society around them, based on how other people are acting and based on how they feel. So it's much more complex than just someone who feels sorry for themselves and doesn't want to deal with the world around them.
0: So they're not really seeking as much, like, but it's that they feel they're not contributing or that they're pulling people down or is that what you're saying
1: yes exactly the last thing that they think about is how can i get attention how can i be the center of everybody's concern and care they're not really thinking about that if anything they're thinking that they're causing problems or hurting other people or damaging other people and so they start to do things that do isolate them from other people. And they start to say things that reflect the fact that they don't feel that they're worthwhile to the people around them, to their friends and to their family. And those things lead to other types of feelings, which have them believe that suicide is somehow an answer. And they're often very confused People who attempt suicide don't attempt because they're sure it's an answer. They attempt because they're not sure what else is. The other thing about suicide is it's not so much about how other people are causing this or how I'm causing that. But that sense of worthlessness causes a great deal of psychological pain. And what they're really trying to do is get rid of the pain. Now, of course, there's physical pain, which can be unbearable and all types of pain, which can be unbearable. But mostly it's the pain of not feeling like you're giving to others as you should be giving or that your life matters to others the way it should matter.
0: Do they even feel like sometimes they're maybe causing pain in other people's lives?
1: Definitely. As a matter of fact, it may sound simple but there are three emotional symptoms of those who can be suicidal or who are suicidal one is they feel what we call thwarted belongingness thwarted meaning they feel that every time they try to belong or want to belong that there's something or someone who gets in the way of them feeling like they're part of something so they don't feel connected don't feel connected to their spouse, they don't feel connected to their children, perhaps, they don't feel connected to their class, to their society, to their church, they feel disconnected. And that's been called thwarted belongingness. Sometimes they're a part of the thwarting, sometimes other people are part of the thwarting. Okay. Yeah. The second thing they often feel is a sense of burdensomeness. So you mentioned that before. Right. They feel like they're causing I'm other burdened, people pain. So I'm
0: just going to quit burdening people.
1: Right. So they, they feel a sense of burdensomeness. And of course, this isn't just me talking from my experience. This is many great people who've studied this topic and written on this topic over many, many years. And it was always interesting to me that even though the push for suicidology and the study of suicide started perhaps in 2009 and 2010. We've actually had decades and decades of great writers and people that have studied suicide. And one of the first things is that sense of thwarted belongingness, needing to belong and not feeling like you you belong. The second thing is that sense of burdensomeness, that somehow I'm hurting other people around them, I'm causing so much pain in their lives, that I'm not worthwhile, That I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so that would cause me pain if I were suicidal. Mm -hmm. The third thing that I found that is a big part of this, which hasn't really been written about that much in the literature, I went to a conference not too long ago, I think it was in Chicago, where someone talked about a third element. And that's the element of feeling trapped. That, and that can be in lots of situations. Financially trapped, you know, you need the money you have, you don't want to be homeless, right? So you're trapped in a relationship because you may not like your spouse or love your spouse, but you're trapped in the money, you're trapped in the situation, you don't know what you would do otherwise. So
0: you can't go forward, you, you can't go back. Right?
1: right, exactly. And you just feel like there's no place to go. And so that sense of feeling trapped causes a lot of pain. And a lot of times, for example, people have noticed that others have gone into their garages and set up camp and gone to sleep in their garages and just started distancing from the family. And the first thing we think is, wow, they're being so selfish for distancing from themselves and not being part of what we're doing. When what they're really doing is getting away from people because they feel that the farther away they are from people, the less they're going to hurt them, less they're going to harm them less they're going to damage them. And of course, that same sense of shame for about hurting others can lead to addictive behaviors, mood-altering behaviors that lead them to do other things that may really be damaging to those around them. But the person who may be suicidal feels they're much less damaging than their own personality and how they talk, how they react with others. And so they can escape in lots of ways because that sense of feeling trapped and that sense that they're hurting others and that they're a burden to others.
0: In your job, did you have a chance to talk to people on the phone who were right in the thick and thin of the, these feelings?
1: Yes, I did. There were lots of calls made, of course, on the Veterans Crisis Line, which is was not just for veterans but was also for anybody who wanted to call, not only about themselves, but about family members and other people that they were worried about. And they generally had a feeling of hopelessness. And hopelessness, in my opinion, is kind of the umbrella over that thwarted belongingness, over the burdensomeness, Mm -hmm. over the sense of being trapped. And often people feel all three of those at once. And then so overall, you have a a feeling of a sense of hopelessness when you talk to them. Nothing they do works. Nothing they do is ever going to work. Nothing they have done has ever worked. But then again, it's related to all those three areas that I discussed. On the other hand, it's also related to the feeling that somehow they should be doing something or saying something to make people happier, to get people happier, to do something for others that would somehow control their response so they could see that they're worthwhile by getting positive responses from others. So there's no doubt that part of this hopelessness comes from the idea that somehow they should be able to control their environment response from other people and things. And so i would say that that's probably a false sense of reality since people really don't control everything around them so even though I've, they influence
0: if i'm hearing you're right you're saying that people who are kind of spiraling into this thought of suicide may be thinking that they can control elements in their life that they can't
1: exactly they can control other things and if they don't see other people happy, they don't see other people saying what they need them to say to them.
0: And they feel they're responsible for it.
1: Yes, that. they do. They feel, oh, well, what should I have said? What should I have done? What, you know, something's wrong with me that I can't say and do what I need to say to control the elements around me. That sounds funny to some people, but it's really uh, what so, some people uh, believe.
0: So even though there are little basic elements of, of selfishness, maybe and woven into our personalities and our human behaviors. Most of this stems from feeling inadequate and low self esteem and other elements that are playing on that person to, to make them feel like they just can't be part of it, or they're trapped. And
1: yes, as a matter of fact, many disorders, we call them disorders, like personality disorder and other disorders, that don't manifest depression or anxiety are disorders where you can see that they're not caring so much about what other people feel or whether they're happy or whether they're sad they're caring more about whether they're in control on the other hand someone who's suicidal it's not so much a thing as of control as it is if i were adequate if i were okay if I were good, then people around me would be happy and good and say the kinds of things I need to say and do the kinds of things I need them to do. So
0: so, so what I'm hearing is that people are, are looking at their world and let's say their children are behaving in a certain way and then they feel that their actions have caused that child to behave in a way that they feel less.
1: Yes, they feel.
0: And so, you know, it's that external thing that they're saying, I th- I think I should be able to control it. If I were a perfect person, I could control this.
1: Yes, if I were the person I needed to be. And often they're, they're not even thinking in terms of I need to be perfect. They're thinking in terms of if I was who I needed to be for these people.
0: My husband would be happy.
1: They my would be happy. Would and and are, my kids would behave and there's there's got to be something else i can do or say to make my kids happier to make my wife or husband happier to make other people happier and Which is why I've often talked to my clients about the fact that when people, when someone is angry at someone else, they may feel some suicidality. That's another myth that just because you're angry, it means you're not suicidal. Some of the most suicidal people are angry because behind anger is always a lot of fear fear that I'm not enough, fear that I'm not doing enough, fear that I've done something wrong, lack of control, not because control is in and of itself an asset and a good thing. But if I did the right thing, then I would see the results that I want to see. And so, for example, when someone is getting more and more suicidal and they're getting into arguments with their spouse, what they're thinking is not, oh, you're so terrible. Mm -hmm. Although that's what it looks like they're saying when they lash out and they get angry. What they're really thinking is, what's wrong with me that i can't say and do the things that make you happy
0: yeah so all of us have some of these feelings normally we we're sad we're depressed we have all these things how do you know when somebody is considering suicide that's different than just say the normal everyday life feelings that we're having if i got a spouse or a teenager or cousin how do i know what do i look for
1: i would actually look for more than anything else which kind of encompasses all of this kind of like hopelessness but but even more than hopelessness is purposelessness just don't feel they have a purpose don't feel they have a reason to exist because of their desire to affect everything positively around them and they literally begin to think that they're somewhere that they as we said before that they don't belong yeah because they don't have a purpose for living and they feel that if people and things around them were going were happy or going well that somehow Their purpose would be demonstrating itself and they would be worthwhile. That's why we often use the term worthless. But when you break that word up, it means worth less. Worth less than this person, worth less than that person, worth less than this car or this thing or this company or this house, Mm -hmm. worth less than. Okay. And so we feel those feelings of worthlessness and those often come with hopelessness because we don't feel that we matter to those around us, because we're looking for their reaction to demonstrate that.
0: So let's say I have a suspicion, but I'm, you know, sometimes I think that if I poke the bear, then they're going to commit suicide because I even mentioned it or brought it up or I'm investigating it. Is that true? I mean, is if we ask a person about whether they're having suicidal thoughts, will they all of a sudden get suicidal thoughts in their head?
1: No, as a matter of fact, no no research has been more performed in the research surrounding what we say and what it causes in other people who may be suicidal. One of the biggest problems we have in our society is we're so afraid of offending someone or we're so afraid of making them suicidal, that somehow what we say controls their feelings, that we aren't direct with them. We do everything but be direct. This ice cream will make you happier. Here, come to a movie with me. Or maybe what you need is this car. Or maybe if I just give you this that you've wanted, you'll be happy and you'll be okay. But that's kind of a way of beating around the bush. What people really want is for you to go right to their heart and to ask directly about how they feel about their life. Are they thinking of hurting themselves? Are they thinking of killing themselves? Because there's so many ways to get around the subject. And We think that if we do that, that people will respect our sensitivity. But as a matter of fact, someone who's suicidal will just think you're like everyone else who doesn't really care enough to really talk about what matters to them. And so as difficult as it is, and as much as it can be awkward and sometimes uncomfortable, it's really good just to say, are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of suicide?
0: Yeah, in families, in fact, probably some of the reasons we have the feelings we do of isolation is because we aren't communicating well in the first place. So it's hard to start that communication up. Do you have any suggestions how somebody might approach that?
1: Well, what I would say is I have noticed certain traits that if they're in a person and in a family and in a group, people feel they matter more. They belong more, that they mean more to that group or to that person. Don't get me wrong. Our sense of self comes from the inside. It needs to be from the inside out because the more we define ourselves by what's outside us, the more we're going to have these feelings like we're not in control and we're suicidal. On the other hand, when we feel like we're part of what's happening in our lives, a meaningful part of what's happening in our lives, it does a lot to help us build ourselves from the inside out and feel like we matter. And I've noticed certain things that are in healthy relationships and families. One thing is affirmation. When you affirm someone you know boy what a great job you did you know that was, that was so wonderful when you empathize with a person and there's empathy what and by empathy i i i don't mean sympathy sympathy is oh i'm so sorry that that man doesn't have any money what a terrible thing that he has to suffer like that real empathy is truly sitting with that person, feeling the way that person feels and really feeling his heart and putting yourself in his shoes.
0: So the conversation Mm. that goes something like this, um, hey, Joey, are you feeling suicidal? And he says, oh, no. And then you say, okay, great. And you walk off. That's not the conversation, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And this, this is the thing is, there's no doubt that if you are direct with someone, many times it will say, no, I'm fine. Uh-huh. And we get that all the time when we're in parties, when we're other people. How are you doing, Joe? I'm fine. You know, are you feeling terrible? No, I'm doing just fine. Even are you feeling suicidal? Oh, no. Why would you ask that? I'm feeling fine. Okay. The reason, of course, that happens is... People don't feel yet close enough or like they belong enough to be able to say something that's true and that's authentic without kind of getting in trouble, without feeling awkward. So they'll tell us what we want to hear rather than what we kind of need to hear and what they really need to say.
0: So, how do I involve empathy to help that person in that conversation then?
1: I would say the more that you can ask them. About their feelings, the more you can ask them about how, in what situation their heart is in, the more you can ask them about how they matter to their family, to other people. Uh, And of course, the more that people feel that people are empathizing and affirming and complimenting and validating them and graciously being given to and being received from. Then the more people feel like they matter to others, and the less reason they have to feel like they're being a burden or that they don't belong. And so as difficult as it sounds, and as and and it is hard work, relationships are the foundation of people mattering. The more that people escape from relationships are afraid of connecting too strongly think of feeling as weakness Mm -hmm. the more they're probably going to create an environment in which there are people that can be suicidal on the other hand the more people are willing to laugh and be vulnerable and speak from their heart and say what they really feel and show feeling the more that that vulnerability will give other people the feeling that they matter enough for people to show all sides of themselves.
0: That's very good. So basically, we have to be vulnerable with each other when we're talking about this. So it's as much about our vulnerability as it is about helping them have some vulnerability themselves or feeling safe to be vulnerable, I guess.
1: Right. Just being willing to say something would be awkward or Mm -hmm. uncomfortable or even something that might make us look weak or out of control. As much as that's uncomfortable for us, that actually gives someone who's depressed or anxious or suicidal room to open up matter and even feel like they belong to us and us to them.
0: Now, we're in the thick of the holiday season. It's just leaving Thanksgiving. We're entering Christmas a lot of people think that suicide is something that occurs a lot around the holidays. Is that a, a myth?
1: That's actually a myth, believe it or not. We hear that all the time, that there's more suicide around Christmas than there is around other holidays, particularly Christmas. Of course, there's lots of holidays we enjoy during the year, but particularly Christmas, people think that somehow there's a, there's a spike in suicide. When we've actually gone through the research over years and years, that's not true. And people have asked, well, why wouldn't that be true? Because people can associate so many expectations of fun with being let down. And so we assume that's what causes the suicidality. But what we find is it kind of evens itself out. Yes, there's some melancholy and there's some depression during Christmas, but there's also some very happy things during these holidays that occur. Some giving that occurs, some caring about others that occurs, that doesn't occur at other times. And so we've found that overall, it evens out throughout the year in terms of one season being worse than another. Now, there is research about weather. And weather can really affect how we feel. If we're so constantly yeah, if we're constantly in cloudy and gray days, it really will affect how we feel and and how we do chemically. So the sun really is a mood lifter walking with our head up. Walking, standing straight, actually so the, walking that and looking why at the. Santa
0: Claus comes down from the North Pole is <laughs> trying to get the Christmas exactly. cheer. Exactly.
1: <laughs> he's getting the Christmas cheer. They've even said there's a way to elevate mood by walking straight, looking ahead, and looking not just at your feet or at the sidewalk, but actually at the horizon. And the more you look at the horizon as you walk, the more it tends to be a mood lifter. You know, and what's on the horizon? Well, the sun and. Light and all kinds of other beautiful things that are mood lifters. So I don't want to suggest that different seasons don't have things about them that help elevate mood. Yeah. But what I want to say is it's relationships and people that are by far the biggest factor of what our mood's going to be like and how we belong to them.
0: Now I know a lot of people have maybe never thought of suicide in their life, but in my own life I've had bouts where I have thought about it myself and i don't consider that a weakness and if you're our listeners i think that thinking about suicide just considering it is not abnormal is that true
1: that is true it's not abnormal at all and the fact of the matter is our bodies constantly are imperfect. They have illness. They have problems. And what we have to understand is the brain is part of our body. And the brain also has problems. I always say to people that we're always talking about physical illness, but everybody has had some mental illness because our brains aren't perfect.
0: Yeah. So even if we're looking at ourselves and maybe we've had some of the suicide feelings, where do we? Where should we start getting to where we're concerned even about ourselves? What would we look for in ourselves in terms of what is edginess nearer to something that might be dangerous?
1: I think that the more that we feel that our absence would be a benefit to other people, the more we're probably getting closer. And I know that sounds like a really simple statement, but thinking that so somehow if
0: feeling that we're, it's going to be a blessing to be gone for other people or that they're going to have a party after we leave.
1: Right. They'll have a little difficulty and they'll be a little upset, and but they'll
0: just get over it because I was such a burden.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I if, was such so a So if
0: that ideology is, is hitting us over and over and over again, and it's feeling comfortable.
1: Yes, exactly. It's feeling comfortable. And, and we think we're actually going to do someone a favor by, by, committing or attempting suicide as a matter of fact what you've probably all heard at one time or another that there are some people right before they attempt suicide who actually start to look happier and who actually start to feel happier and that, that that really is true that really does happen because what's happened is that person even though they're not sure it's an answer they've convinced themselves that somehow it is. And if they're gone, at least this person will be happier, or that person will be happier or these people won't have to worry about me. And so I've actually done something to really benefit those around me. And so far from being a selfish act, many times we can consider suicide as an act where in their minds, because of the way they're thinking, they're actually thinking they're doing something good. For other people, which doesn't make sense to us when we're upbeat and when we feel good and when these thoughts aren't occurring.
0: Yeah, but that's that part of that burdenness. I mean, burdensomeness, Mm -hmm. isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is part of that burdensomeness. Yeah.
0: So if a person's mind is made up to take their life, um, can we still influence them? Can we help them to heal those thoughts?
1: There's no doubt that we can.
0: Like a one-way street where somebody just ends up thinking And we've heard that many
1: times, haven't we? We've heard that many times. They're either going to do it or they're not. I can't tell you how many times, even from healthcare practitioners of many years, who have just decided they're either going to do it or they're not. They're either going to make up their mind or they're not. What i found is most people who are feeling like a burden are kind of screaming out emotionally that they want someone to tell them why they're not a burden they desperately need someone to show them what's good about them what they're worth how they've helped other people so that they can see purpose in their life and see that they're not the burden that they thought they were and so yeah there is something that can be done but once again we have to understand that what we can do is not control what we can do is influence one time I was teaching a class.
0: So before we go into what your story is, mm-hmm. you said we can't control, but we can influence. Right. Right. So it's it's not about being able to take a remote control out and push a button and somehow make that person stop. It's not about our own worth either if somebody commits suicide.
1: No, it's not. so important for us to know. How many parents have said, well, if I just looked more, if I just... Asked more if I just gone through their room and looked for signs that they were thinking of it, then they wouldn't have done it. And so, what they do is tend to blame themselves. But we have to remember that's
0: kind of an illusion of control that we have as human.
1: It is an, an illusion of control. We influence, but we don't control. We can give a person a reason to choose to be happy. But they still must choose to be happy, no matter how angry we are, or no matter how happy we are or positive we are. We never force anybody to be unhappy or to be suicidal and so, as I was saying before, the woman ran out of my class, and when the director followed her out, he said, "What's wrong?" She said, "Well, he said that most people who are su- suicidal do show some signs, and that is true; they do show some signs. The big question is. Could we find those easily? Did they tell us about those signs? Did we feel that we needed to go through their room and look at everything in their room to find out what was wrong? We probably didn't. And so ultimately, no matter how mentally ill someone is, if they choose to take their life, it is still their responsibility and ultimately still their choice, no matter how confused they may have been.
0: So sometimes we just don't catch the signs. So it's not something that we can control that either, right?
1: It's a good way to put it. Sometimes we just don't catch the signs. We're not busy looking for the signs. And the fact of the matter is, is that we don't want to spend a 100% of our of our time looking for signs that someone is suicidal. We want to be happy and laugh and have a good time and assume the best in people. So no, often we don't catch those signs. And suicidal people are some of the best at hiding those signs from other people. Why? Because they don't want to be more of a burden to those people.
0: Is Does suicide also involve chemistry, like where the, the body is in a depression and it's having chemical imbalances?
1: Yes, it does. It does. The fact of the matter is, the older I get, the more I realize how Intertwined, the psychological and the physical are, the genetic and the psychological and the physical are very intertwined. So, the more we get to a genetic problem or a physical problem or address a physical or genetic problem, the more it's going to address a psychological problem, like being suicidal. So it's
0: kind of like a three-legged stool.
1: There is there there is three sides: the, the genetic, the psychological. The physical uh, and sometimes emotional can be even different than psychological in terms of whether you're talking about neuroreceptivity receptivity or whether you're talking about just someone's feelings and how they choose to respond to someone else. And once again, we have to remember that a lot of what we feel has to do with our choice of response, not what someone is making us feel or respond like. Yeah,
0: I know this is probably more of a unhappy topic. And during this time, we've we've seen a lot of people who have been suffering. Suicide is up nearly 20% in the United States. I don't know about other countries right now. But this is a heavy, heavy topic. And when we're dealing with suicide, the people that we know and maybe even our in our own life or in our own families what can we do to help ourselves cope with understanding that other people have taken their life
1: i think the most important thing we can do is realize that we are imperfect people we influence imperfectly nothing is done perfectly and most of us have good intentions. We want to help people. We want to lift people. But we do it imperfectly. And what we have to learn to do is to allow for our own imperfections as well as others' imperfections. So that when things happen, we're not constantly blaming ourselves and putting ourselves in a situation where we think we should have controlled what happened. Or we say, <laughs> if only I'd done that, or if only I'd said this, then this wouldn't have happened. And we just we just don't know that. All we can do is imperfectly influence.
0: That's good and well said. So at the end of this, is there anything that you would like to tell the audience
1: What I would just like to say is that relationships in which we give people as much as we can in happy, positive ways, and there are many, many ways we can give. And one of the ways we give is by receiving what other people have to give. And so if there was one foundation of a purpose to life and of not being suicidal it would be making people in our relationships a priority over anything else any process any procedure anything any possession making people in those relationships a priority and i think as we start to do that more and more we'll see less of a reason for people to feel like they don't have purpose
0: yeah i really think that This is about becoming more of a human family and seeing each other than it is about circumstances. I think we can weather a lot of bad circumstances if we could open our hearts and care about each other as a human family.
1: There's no doubt that uh, unity is a much more powerful healer than diversity. And so not that we don't respect differences in people but we try to unify the human family who feel much alike who experience many of the same things many of the same sadnesses many of the same happinesses and the more we can feel like we're part of something that matters the more we can actually feel that our own individual self matters
0: yeah that during this holiday season i want everybody to know that This isn't the season that everybody thinks more about suicide. Yes, there are suicides that go on during the holiday seasons. But I think that the message I'd like to leave with our listeners is that we can bring the spirit of gladness and fellowship and of Christ into the hearts of other people. So if you see somebody who you think is feeling lonely, tell them how much you care about them. Tell them that you want to to listen to their pains and to know what they're going through. Let's take this time to share each other's burdens and to help somebody else feel like they are not a burden for us. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, folks, it's that time in the show when we count our blessings for being together And thank the Lord for providing us with talent that enlightens the mind and inspires the soul. Till next time, remember that life is an adventure teeming with majestic mountains of experience, waiting to be explored, and rivers flowing with wisdom, beckoning us to drink deeply from their cool waters. Thank you for sharing in our adventure. Stay safe, God bless, and have a wonderful day.